0: Look at verse 1, and it says, Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priest, and they builded the sheep gate, they sanctified it, and set up the doors of it, even unto the tower of Mia. They sanctified it unto the tower of Hananil. And the next unto him builded the men of Jericho, and next to them builded Zechur, the son of Imri. But the fish gate did the sons of Hashanah, build who also laid the beams thereof and set up the doors thereof and the locks thereof and the bars thereof. And next unto them repaired Merimuth, uh, the son of Urijah, the son of Kaz. And next unto them repaired Meshulam, the son of Barakiah, the son of Meshizabil. And next unto them repaired Zadok, the son of Banna. And next unto them, the Teokites uh, repaired, but their nobles... Put not their necks to the work of their Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you. And so, Lord, we just ask. So you consider that God's a God of order, and when he's involved in things, no matter what it is, a man really needs to lean on God because God knows what he's doing. So if we need uh, guidance and strength and leadership and resources and laborers, we can't depend on ourselves. We can't depend on us. We have to depend on God. And what we have to do is we have to pray that that folks would even enter into his harvest. You know the harvest ready, waited already under harvest, but it, the laborers are what few. So pray thee, therefore, the Lord of the what harvest. We have to pray for laborers. We have to pray for God to do these things, because no man can accomplish this. We have to depend on God. And I, I look, and I even see when you look at the universe itself, and you look at the uh, the six days of creation. Uh, was God not a God of order? I mean, you go through and you can see God did things decently and in order, didn't he? And in those six days, what was he capable of accomplishing? And so you look at all that God did, and even uh, as he did those things, it demonstrates order. And when the projects of God are done and to be done, the Lord provides what's necessary. I think he equips the people in the work to accomplish the work. God has at this point provided Calvary Chapel everything it needs to accomplish the work in this community right now now we may say well we want to we want to we want and i understand those things but right now where we are as a church body god has given us everybody and everything we need if not he would provide more And so what God has given us is exactly what we need and we can accomplish his work. And I think we find the rebuilding of the wall in Jerusalem no different for Israel in that God brought forth a leader. He laid out a plan and he had a labor force to complete the work. And so he put everything together for them and then allowed it to kind of begin to open up. And so when we consider what's happening here, there were people had to decide that they were going to follow Nehemiah. They were going to follow the leadership that God had appointed and they were going to work with that leader and they were going to do what needed to be done. And so they had to make a decision in their heart that they were going to actually follow that leader that God had placed there. And so are you willing to allow God to lead through his leader or is your willingness what I would consider maybe conditional? And what happened was, as we find these nobles were conditional, they We're thinking very differently. And when you look at this passage, he said, but their nobles put not their necks to the work of their Lord. There were people who decided, you know what, we're not getting involved in that. (laughs) Let them fall, let them do whatever. We're just not getting involved. And yet God never ceased to continue the work using the people that were willing and the leader who was leading. And so, as we look to this tonight, I want us to consider when the Lord is ready to complete a work, there's a plan and a job to be done. And how does He want it done? He wants it done decently and in order. And so, as we look, we're going to look at how God provides when He has a work. He provides the leader, He provides the plan, and He provides the laborers. And we'll see this in the context of these verses. And so, the Lord provides the leader. And so, the Lord had appointed Nehemiah to lead the people in the rebuilding of this wall at Jerusalem. And God has and will always prepare a man to lead his people to oversee projects. And I I even thought about this. Consider how even in the Garden of Eden, after God had finished the six days of creation, and he makes Adam in the midst of all of that, he placed Adam in the garden to do what? To dress the garden. He provided a worker, amen, a leader to take care of what needed to be done. And so you look at how God always puts somebody someplace to perform his work. And I think Nehemiah was chosen by the Lord to assign the people to the work. And this came after Nehemiah had done some things. And I just want you to consider your own personal lives as a leader, especially the leaders in the church. And I want you to think about what is my prayer life like? What is my prayer life like? And then I want you to ask yourself, not only what is my prayer life like, I want you to consider some other areas. Do I fast and pray? You say, preacher, come on, man. I'm telling you, fasting is a New Testament thing. In fact, one of our missionaries thought so much about praying and fasting, he wrote an entire book on it. And and, and so what I'm sharing with you is it's not an Old Testament thing to pray and to fast. It's a New Testament work to pray and fast. And it's not for God and for us to manipulate God. It's for us to uh, really allow God to get a hold of our hearts. And praying and fasting is a very normal thing to do as a Christian. And so I want you to consider, do you pray and fast? And then do you assess things? Do you look around and say, you know what, how can I get involved? Or what is it that I can do? Or what is it that God's called me to do? You say, well, preacher, you're preaching to the choir tonight. Everybody here is doing something. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about even the attitude and the spirit of our heart as we assess what needs to be done. Where are we spiritually in the midst of all of these things? And then are you willing to come with pastor and help devise a plan so we can get it done? So we can make things happen. So we can do this together. And then I believe what God will do is he'll prepare people to get the work done. He'll prepare hearts for us. He'll take care of all of those things for us. Now, the Lord is in the building business. How many of you understand that? He made the earth, didn't He? (laughs) He made the sky. He made the fish. He made the fowl, right? You you look, and, and God has made everything. God's in the building business. And you look throughout the scriptures, there wasn't a time where God wasn't having something going on. He was building a people, he was building a work, he was building an ark, he was building a tabernacle, he was building a a plan of salvation. Are you with me? God's always been busy, and God's always working, and God is always building something. And so there's a work to be done, and it takes some workers to get it done. And I thought as you go through the scriptures, you see how the Lord would prepare a man before beginning a project. Then he would present the plan and prepare the people. And I thought about even Joseph. Did he not have to take Joseph through a process to prepare him to lead those people later on? And in the end, he said what men meant for bad, God meant for good to save much people alive as it is this day. And so what did God prepare him for? Well, he even sent him and he became vice pharaoh. And what was it really for so that in the time of famine, God could save the nation of what? Israel. He could save them. And so God prepared a man. I began to think about Moses. How many of you ever read the story where Moses is standing on the mountain and debating with God? And he's telling God, and it even gets down to, well, I can't even speak that well, God. That's okay. Uh, and he said, I, you know, he had some sort of speech impediment. And he said, that's okay. I'll give you Aaron. And so I got somebody who will speak on your behalf. And you think about this for a moment. When we have excuses, God has answers. When we have excuses, God has answers. And we need to consider about what God wants to do. I thought about Joshua. And and really, when I read about Joshua, think of the things. I know Moses went through a lot. But think of the times that Joshua was coming to these people and telling them what they were going to do. I cannot imagine in my mind this leader coming to these people and telling them some of the things that Joshua had to tell them. And when Joshua came and said to them, listen, we're going to march around this wall, I I can't imagine (laughs) there had to be people out there going, this guy is nuts. Is he serious? But God had already prepared Joshua, hadn't he? And God had already had him by Moses' side. And he had already seen dissension. And he already understood what it meant for a children to chide against the work of God. He already understood all of that. And God prepared Joshua. I got to thinking about Gideon and David and Solomon and all these men. If you look, there's always a preparation time. There's always a time of preparation. And, and there's a testing time because even solomon himself had been tested and and he tells god but i don't know how to go out and i don't know how to come in god asked him a, a specific question and solomon answered it very wisely didn't he and god was preparing him why because in a time of peace they needed wisdom didn't they in that time of peace to understand who god was and what he was capable of And so I believe God always brings forth a man. Now, this does not come without resistance, as we find there the nobles of Tekoa that refused to work. And there were some that went down the the wall a little further away and started some work, but these guys weren't willing to do anything. And they were the nobles. They were the leaders, if you will. They were the ones who had the notoriety and the fame, and people knew who they were, and they weren't willing to put their hand to the plow. (laughs) They weren't willing to do the work. (laughs) And so when you look at this, uh, we see here that there was some resistance and they refused the work and the reason's really unknown, but we do speculate that maybe they feared the enemy. And so therefore, they did not want these fellas to come after them. And we'll see later on as we look into other chapters, these three fellas came along and really began to try to create a lot of havoc there on the job. <laughs> and so what happens? Well, when God comes on the scene and begins to move a people to a project, The enemy always, always, always rears its head. Always when God's trying to do something. And you can find that all the way back to the Garden of Eden. You can always see the enemy rearing his head. And there are those who resisted even though it was their city and they were God's people. They were not willing to take on the burden of completing the work of God. So Nehemiah was chosen of God to head up the project because He knew that he was going to take a stand. He knew Nehemiah was just going to stick with the stuff. And and regardless of whether the resistance came from the outside or the resistance came from the inside, it made no matter. He was just going to stay on that straight and narrow path, and he was going to keep following what the Lord had called him to do. (laughs) And as he did, he was trying to motivate the people along the way. A leader must be willing to do as Nehemiah did and fulfill the word of God, even in the face of adversity. Now, many of you know Ephesians 6, 11 through 13, right? And you read the scriptures and it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. I believe Nehemiah understood that before it was written. I believe Nehemiah had that in his heart. And it says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. He knew not to get in with it, with Sanballat and and Tobiah and Geshem. He knew better than to get into it with them. He knew it would be unwise to to get into battles with these guys. And so as a leader, he knew it was unwise. And the Bible says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I believe with all of my heart, Nehemiah understood that. I believe God had prepared him and told him and taught him along the way that whenever God has a work to do, resistance is going to come. And when it does, you need to take a stand, Nehemiah, and just stick with the stuff. And the Bible goes on to say, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. And so I believe with all of my heart that Nehemiah had this principle in him, even though it might not have been written down for him to read. I believe it was a part of his life. I believe he understood that there was a work that had to get done. And listen, the devil never relaxes when God is busy. The devil never relaxes when God is busy somewhere. And when he's busy in a people's lives and when he's in a busy in the hearts of the people, listen, the devil can whiff that out and he says, you know what? I need to go over there and stir up some trouble. And the reason that he does is because God's at work. And God was at work at the wall, wasn't he? And as the wall was being built, the trouble began to stir. These nobles were not willing to follow Nehemiah's leadership and put their hands to work, but they did not stop Nehemiah. What did he do? He forged ahead. And he did what God had called him to do. And he motivated the people to do and to work on the project. God used Nehemiah. And I look at Nehemiah and I think to myself, not a likely leader, I mean, he was a cupbearer over here to the king. Why would God choose this guy? You know? But, you know, Gideon wasn't the likely one either, was he? Nor was many of the men in the scriptures. If you look at Moses, he wouldn't have been the likely one for us. And definitely not David, right? Because when Samuel came over to check things out, uh, he said, you know, surely it has to be this one or 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 this one, right? And who did it end up being? It ended up being David. <laughs> Not, not whom the people thought should be the leader. And sometimes we, we don't grasp that God wants to use different people. And it's amazing to me. I don't believe I would have picked Peter for my team. Because Peter was a loud mouth. And, and Peter put his foot in his mouth more than anybody you can count in the scriptures. And Peter was always saying something out of turn. And God, the Lord God himself was correcting him all the time. But God used Peter in a miraculous way, didn't he? But I'm not sure I would have chosen him for my team, but God used him. And as we begin to look... God took this unlikely leader and made him the leader of his people, and he helped him to develop a plan and to motivate the workers and then to organize the work. So, God will always have the details of the project complete for the work as well. Even though man may not be prepared, God is. And I thought, interestingly, as the Lord provides the plan, God had prepared the man, he provided the resources, and he used Nehemiah to organize the work. It was already done. And so if you go in and you read these 32 verses, you're going, good night, and so-and-so, and 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 so-and-so was at this section, and this section, and this section. Why do we need to know this? Because it was an overwhelming task. It was hard. And a lot of people had to do a lot of things, and one guy had to organize it. And God used Nehemiah to do that. (laughs) All of chapter 3 is about that organization, and the project was broken down into sections, and you go through, and there were men and women assigned to the work to get it done. And they were placed in specific locations. And during the inspection of the walls, I believe God worked in Nehemiah's mind to devise the best plan for the work that needed to be done. I think when he stepped back, and he went down there, and God had chosen him, he came out there, and he saw, not with human eyes, but with divine eyes, what needed to be done and God began to work in Nehemiah's heart, and he began to work in his mind, and he began to put the plan together, and God then put in the people's heart, follow him, because he's leading you in the right direction. He's not taking you the wrong way. He's taking you the right way. And as we began to look into the scriptures, also remember that in chapter 2, verse 18, he told the people the provisions of the Lord and Part of the plan was to motivate the people, and God did that through him. In chapter 2, in verse 18, and they said, let us rise up and build so they strengthen their hands for this good work. Now, in the midst of all that, you get to chapter 3, and you find out in verse 5, there were some people that said, ain't no way we're doing that. (laughs) You let them go do it. I ain't doing it. And they pulled back, and they were the nobles, and they didn't want to do the work. And yet God never ceased to keep it moving forward. (laughs) He began to use all of those folks to make it happen. Now, God's plan is not always about completing the project. And I'll tell you, I learned this through my pastor a long time ago. God's not always as interested in completing a project, although he'll use projects to complete a people. He'll take a people and use them to complete a project. I want to tell you something right now. When I go over to Jay's place... Over at Gethsemane, you can see God pulling a people together. You know why? There's a work going on. (laughs) They have a building that needs to get done, and they have a building that needs to be built. And you see all these people coming together, and what it is is God placed a project over there in Walpock. (laughs) And God divinely worked in that whole thing, and he moved it from Delphus to Walpock. Why? God did that. No man chose to do that. God did that. And then God provided the building, and when God provided the building, he began to provide the resources, and he began to provide the labors. I just challenge you, go over and look at it. It's amazing to watch what God's doing over there. It's amazing. And God's doing that. God's doing that because there's a heart and a mind for the work. And I began to look at it, and I'm saying, you know... (laughs) God is amazing because he had it all worked out. He had already been preparing Jay Martin's heart. (laughs) He had already been preparing what needed to be done. He even had the location chosen for him. In fact, that old building was a church before it was a bridal shop, and now it's becoming a church again, what it ought to be, amen? (laughs) But God's doing that, and God is providing the resources, and I am not lifting myself up but God brought me to Ohio so I could meet Jay Martin so Jehovah Jireh could give that money to Jay to get that church up. Amen. God did that. I'd have never met Jay Martin, I'd have never known Jay Martin. But God did. And when God has something that he wants to do, he's going to do it his way. And I want you to know I believe the same thing about Calvary Chapel. God wants to do something here. By the way, your pastor's not discouraged. He's encouraged, and I'm excited, and I'm starting to watch God do things. He's given me opportunity to speak to people and to talk to folks, and I can see this tearing down of the strongholds, and I'm beginning to see minds change and hearts change and attitudes change and spirits change right here in Minster. God wants to do a work here. And he's got a people, a remnant right now, if you will, that he's left here to rebuild the wall. Let's do it. (laughs) Let's get together and make it happen. Hey, it was fun going out knocking on doors and canvassing, wasn't it? That's awesome. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's exciting. I get more stories out of going out knocking on doors than anything. (laughs) So if you like the commercials, go canvassing with me. Amen? And we'll have more stories to tell. But you know what? And they said, let us rise up and build. And they said, so they strengthened their hands for this good work. Folks, this is a good work. And God wants to do something through us. He's got a plan. I know he does. I know what he's placed in my mind and in my heart. I know the motivation that he's given me. And I'm trying to encourage you, hey, let's get moving. Because when it breaks loose, I don't know what God's going to do. But I do know he's at work. He hasn't stopped. They began to look. And God's plan is not always about completing the project, but it's about completing a people through the project. You know, they had some people that... They had devised their own plan, and there are the schemes of men, such as the nobles in Sambalot, and Tobiah, and Geshem, which we'll look into those later chapters. But let me read something to you out of Proverbs. Proverbs 2 and 3, it says, A good man obtaineth favor of the Lord, <laughs> but a man of wicked devices will he condemn. A man shall not be established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous shall, be, shall not be moved. I want you to understand this. Those men that went up against Nehemiah, it came to naught. It didn't work. But the wall got built. (laughs) The wall got finished, right? And as you begin to look, God used Nehemiah to accomplish that. And when I look at this, the root of righteousness shall not be moved. When they came and tried to get him to come away from the work and Well, we've got this going on, and we've got that going on, and we need you over here and there and all this stuff. What did he do? He said, I cannot come down. There's something that needs to be done. He wasn't coming down off that wall. There was a work to be finished. There was a work to be done. God had called him to that. And he wasn't going to be brought to and fro to this and that. He said, You know what? God has a plan. You know, there are divine plans. How many of you know that? When you read the scriptures, there are some divine plans. Amen? Hey, the ark was a divine plan. Would you agree? I mean, who built an ark where Noah was? Are you nuts? What is wrong with you, man? And you're going to build it how big? And you're going to do what? Can you imagine the people coming by and mocking him? And laughing at him. Hey, listen, do you understand? To that point, rain had not fallen from the sky. And he's building an ark on land. You idiot! What is wrong with you? You're wasting great gopher wood and tar and pitch to make this thing. You are a fool. Wouldn't you agree? But God took a man who had a heart for his work, gave him a plan, and caused it to happen, didn't he? And the ark was built. How about the tabernacle? (laughs) We don't have anything. We ain't got nothing. (laughs) And God said, no, you got stuff, and you got stuff, and you got stuff, and they all began to bring their stuff. And when they began to all bring their stuff, guess what? All of a sudden we found out we had skilled laborers. People who knew how to do different kinds of work and work with brass. And all of a sudden all these people started coming out of the woodwork. Well, I can't, yeah, I can do that. Do you think that was accidental or do you think God did that? When the tabernacle began to be built, oh, that was a beautiful thing to behold. And you look at the tabernacle under Solomon and you had men who could overlay gold on all this. I mean, just amazing who began to come out of the woodwork. The things that began to happen because a people had a mind to work. And I thought about this. God had a plan for salvation, didn't he? And he had a man prepared, didn't he? And he sent down his only begotten son because no man on this earth could fulfill that plan. And God already had the plan of salvation, didn't he? And he brought forth his only begotten son. And you know the amazing thing is? God chose to use those apostles even when the leader showed up. The man himself, God. <laughs> he was on the scene. And all of a sudden now, he brings these apostles along. Very unassuming men, I would, I would think. And in, in, in when I look at the group, I'm thinking... They don't seem to be any different than David and Chris and Dale and Jim and me and Ben and Liam and Kel and Brayden and Connor. and Don't look any more like, I mean, if I saw these guys on the street and I wasn't from here, just unassuming people walking down the street. And God took the ordinary and did some extraordinary things, didn't he? God did that. God took the ordinary and did the extraordinary. Why? Because his plan Mattered. And no matter what men may do to prevent the plan of God, the Lord is willing to fulfill His will. Allow God to lead you through His appointed leader. God will supply the workforce. When you get to chapter 12, you begin to see the workforce getting supplied. And I want you to look at this. This is amazing. And next unto him repaired Shalem, the son of Halahesh, the ruler of the half part of Jerusalem. He and his what? Daughters. You know, God used whomever he chose to complete the work in the wall of Jerusalem. He used both skilled and unskilled laborers. And he used men and he used women <laughs> to get the job done. You hung some drywall last weekend, didn't you? God will use whomever he wants for the project. Hey, when no man was willing to stand up, God even had to use Deborah and judges, didn't he? Because no man was willing to really stand and do what needed to be done. He said all right. We'll bring Deborah over. Uh-oh. <laughs> now, as the Independent Fundamental Baptists, we have a real problem with Deborah doing what she did. <laughs> That's a real problem for us. <laughs> but God used Deborah, didn't he? We have a hard time reconciling that one, don't we? I just think no man had any backbone. And God decided he was going to use somebody who had some backbone. <laughs> and he began to use Deborah to make some things happen, didn't he? He also used the daughters of Shalem. I want you to underline that man's name. You know why? It's a very special name in the Scriptures. Do you know what his name means? Prosperity. Isn't that wonderful? Of all the people he could have chosen in the Scriptures, he chose the man who was willing to use his daughters, his name is Prosperity. Woo! I bet that was an encouragement to those folks. They knew what Shalem meant. They knew it meant prosperity. And that man was willing to use his daughters to get this job done. I think they fully understood at that point God was going to help them prosper. And what did did Nehemiah tell them early on? The God of heaven, he shall prosper us. Amen. And so he even used prosperity in his daughters to make it happen. (laughs) It's an amazing thought, isn't it? And as I began to look through the scriptures here, it didn't matter. And, and, and when you see the ark, you see the tabernacle, you see the temple, you see the subject of salvation, God used skilled and unskilled men and women to do this. And so don't think for a moment that God cannot use you in the work. He can use you. Whomever you are, God wants to use you. And you're here at Calvary, and if you're a member, he wants to use you at Calvary. Amen. He wants you to be doing something in his house. And if you are a member of this house, you ought to come to pastor and say, you know what, pastor? I'm not doing anything right now. I need to be because God wants to use you in the work. And don't think for a minute that he doesn't for the God of heaven has put this house of worship in this community and he desires to use every person in here. And even those that aren't here tonight, he desires to use them. Amen? He does. And what it is is that we just need to stay faithful, stay motivated, stay encouraged, keep looking to the God of heaven. The Lord has given you a leader. He's outlined an even developing plan, and he wants to use each and every one of us to either build or rebuild or repair or restore this lighthouse. And I believe some will and some will not but God will. Amen? And I look to the scriptures, and I'll end with this tonight. But in a great house, you ought to write this down, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared... Under every good work, are we willing to let God use us? Let's pray.